Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. Weird week, less baseball than normal. Mom, do we have to keep doing these podcasts after the worst game of a series? Can we just remove these around a little bit so we get to like go live after like a sick Clay Holmes tightrope walk on a... Tuesday, can we like do the podcast after he strikes out Lindor and Marte with the bases loaded? Then Michael King comes in for the huge save, and the Yankees steal a game for Max Scherzer that they never should have taken with their below-average offense. Can we do that podcast, please, instead of the one after they go one for fifteen with runners in scoring position and lose a road extra innings game, which is their absolute specialty? They are worse on the road in extra innings than any other team. The stats are amazing. What they do with the ghost runner is nothing. They do nothing with the ghost runner on the road. They cannot figure it out. Um, can we do a podcast after the good game instead of the one where Isaiah Connor Falefa steals home and they take a 3-1 lead in the seventh and then the first reliever who comes in blows that lead before they get walked off in extras? This is the best bullpen in baseball with the best bullpen ERA in baseball. They've also blown three leads in the seventh inning or later in the last seven games. Is that good? Um, we're going to talk about Luis Severino, whether or not he needs a phantom IL stint, whether he'll accept one if he's given one. We'll also talk about Anthony Volpe maybe getting his swing fixed by a double-A teammate over chicken parm instead of by the coaches who are supposed to tell you how to hit. Also, Aaron Hicks and Gary Sanchez are the best hitters in baseball, and the Yankees play the Red Sox again this weekend, so we'll take some time to preview that. You'll take a split in the Subway Series, but as always, as we said a million times, you've been here since 2021, we will not take a split that way. How many series did they win that year where they take the first two and then lose the last one in the worst way possible? Five-run blown lead, walk-off ball kicked into right field, game-tying two-run home run by the nine-hitter, Munanori Kawasaki or something, just the, the biggest gibberish. They, they appear to be doing that again, uh, just in time for the podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us those five-star reviews. We really appreciate them. Like the video, like the content, find us live here every Monday and Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern. Next week, it'll be Tuesday, observing the holiday on Monday. I uh, hope you observe Juneteenth as well. We'll be right back on Tuesday. And then Thursday, uh, I will not be here. I will be uh, at a friend's wedding. I'll be in San Francisco, but hopefully the Yankees uh, handle business while I'm gone. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. You got a promo for the folks. Yeah, I do. When do I not? That's that's the that's the one constant of this podcast. When do I not have a promo? Uh, this one is for Bet Three Six Five for everybody interested. Yankees fans, Mets fans, are you here today? We've been we've been having some fun over the last couple of days. Yeah, uh, we have an awesome sports betting promo for new Bet Three Six Five users. All you have to do is deposit ten bucks. Place a one dollar wager on any sport. What happens after that? You get two hundred dollars added to your account in bonus bets added instantly. Pretty great life, and it's whether you win or lose doesn't matter. All you have to do is use the code YGY Betting at sign up. By using our code again YGY Betting, you not only receive the two hundred dollars in bonuses, but you will also be directly supporting the podcast, even the depressing episodes, which is today. You'll have some fun. So if you haven't signed up yet, yet, head on over to Bet365, join with the code YGY Betting, and place that first bet. Bet yet. Have you bet yet? This Have offer you? is available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in most legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Cannot stress that enough. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. All right. So Tuesday was fun. Tuesday was great. Tuesday was like all time fun. And it was a reminder of uh, the subway series. 
some people go in opposite directions. People go, oh, it matters so much to me. Or they go, look, it doesn't matter at all. Keith McPherson, our friend, got in trouble last year for saying Yankee fans treat it like a spring training game. Um, it's yeah. somewhere in between. It's an exciting game. It's like an intercity. I dig the intercity rivalry. But sandwiching it between Yankees and Red Sox does make it seem like just a really exciting baseball game and not like an I'm going to lose my mind if we lose to the Mets game. It's just like a very fun baseball game, especially when – like, I'm not going to lord that win over Mets fans forever. I'm just going to be like, damn, that was an exciting baseball game. And then, of course, the next day, it's fucking awful. Yeah, it's, these are annoying series because, first of all, they're only two games, so there's no true winner until no. you play the next two series, unless, obviously, you sweep. But, most, you know, the, when and when when are these not – I mean, are they always sweeps? Are they usually sweeps? Last year, last year we both swept. Sweep. They no. They swept us. We swept them, and it was uh, – I mean, last year was the worst Yankees Subway Series performance like ever. That yeah. was so bad. And uh, you have Mets fans who I think I'm, not, and this is not a grill on Mets fans. I think they just take it a little bit more seriously. I more so go into this just being like, please don't lose, yeah. because I don't want to deal with the bullshit. And Mets fans go into this series and they really want to win. I also want to win, but I really, really, really don't want to lose because I don't want to see the discourse the next day. Um, and that's what life is now. It's just waiting for the discourse, waiting for the nightmarish conversations that are going to come. Um, and what happens? The Mets melt down on Tuesday. So the nightmarish conversation is in our court and our control for eh, 20 hours. And then the Yankees are seemingly gift wrapped and gift wrapped another win on Wednesday. Yeah. Eric Cole shoves. Justin Verlander kicked our ass, which we knew it was going to happen, but the Mets eventually faltered. Their leaky defense did what it has been doing for a little, you know, some time now. Their bullpen really bad. A really bad bullpen somehow ranks in the top ten in WHIP, which I didn't believe when I looked that up. Uh, but they're like twentieth in ERA. They're like fifteenth in opponents' batting average. Um, the Yankees managed to crack the first frontier of the bullpen. They get two runs on absolute you know, an absolute circus display of defense. Mm. Um, and then the Yankees bullpen melts down and then they don't hit in extras and they don't hit with runners in scoring position the entire game. And now why am I upset when I'm supposed to be fine? I'm supposed to be fine right now because even with a sweep, I still wouldn't have been feeling great because the Yankees would have had to swept, swept this series in incredible fashion. Tuesday, you have Luis Severino do whatever he does. And that doesn't feel good for the future. The positives in that one were the bullpen picked the team up in a pretty epic way. And the offense shoved back down by four runs, which is something we've been dying to see for what feels like forever now. Um, and even last night, even if the Yankees have a decent performance with runners in scoring position, we're saying before the podcast, they went one for 15 with runners in scoring position last night. If they went three for 15, that is still absolutely terrible and you probably win that game by two runs. Yeah. So I don't know. Now I'm feeling upset. Now I I would have I just didn't want to feel like the world was crashing down. And now I feel like that because the offense continues to not build on good performances. They continue to look worse than they somehow did at their worst period, you know, three days prior without Aaron Judge. And now you have Fenway coming up. And does that ever work out for us in the modern history? I, I really don't think it does. The Red Sox just lost a series to the Rockies. We're not going to win a single game in there. We're, we're, we'll talk about that later. I mean, the, everything that just happened in the Rockies series is going to reverse itself yeah. on a dime immediately. They, they almost got swept by the Rockies. It doesn't matter. Um, yes, this offense is terrible. Um, and I think, like, a, a lot of the <laughs> – I said it on the last show, I think. People are like, well, how can you be mad at what you're seeing? Judge is out. Hey, how about this? I'm mad the judge is out. Yeah. <laughs> You solved it. I'm mad that Aaron Judge got a freak injury again. It's going to knock him out for a month, month and a half. We, we don't even know. Like, DJ LeMahieu still isn't good. A year after fracturing a little bone in his toe, are we sure? Judge doesn't have a little toe fracture? We're not sure. They they missed LeMahieu's fracture forever. We have no idea. I hope not. His swelling is down. That's great. But I'm not confident in Aaron Judge moving forward. That's part of the reason I'm mad. Additionally, this is supposed to be a baseball team, right? It, this isn't an NBA team. This isn't Aaron Judge isn't Giannis dragging the Bucks to a second round every year. It's, you need nine men in the offense. You need five men in the rotation. 
the, the what gets me every time is if the Yankees had Matt Blake and this pitching staff and this program and this pitching development program from the years 2002 to 2019, how many World Series do they win? Nine? Every Seriously. other year? Seriously. Like, they never pitched. They were running Sidney Ponsone out there in the 2000s. One year they made the playoffs because they called up Aaron Small and traded for Sean Chacon. And both of those people just accidentally dominated for five weeks. And that's why they made the playoffs. Imagine if they cared about pitching back then and weren't just acquiring 38-year-old Randy Johnson. Oh, my God, they'd be unstoppable. All those teams could hit. The Yankees for decades have been high OBP, patient, power and then pitching i guess if we have it now they're pitching elite bullpen elite starters elite development program we're making pitching prospects out of thin air we trade waldachuk and sears and wesneski and then the next year we've got chase hampton and drew thorpe and richard fitz and all these random guys are, are taking their places we can trade them again for more people that aren't going to help they do they really do print pitching i get on the bullpen for blowing their three leads after the seventh inning this week, that's random variance. It's annoying. There was really no one to bring in yesterday other than, like, you use the whole bullpen to get the first win, and then you have to rely on Jimmy Cordero to hold a two-run lead yesterday. He doesn't do it. It sucks. Um, Ron Marinaccio with inherited runners is bad. It sucks. Uh, but if they had this pitching at any point over the last two decades, they would be a dominant baseball team. But instead, they have this pitching. They have a team that around Aaron Judge is nothing. Um, with our with Aaron Judge still bad, without Aaron Judge nothing, and, and they're down under 300 as a team in OBP as of this morning. Two nine 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 two OBP as a team. That includes Judge, so it's not oh Judge is out, so the offense is bad. When Judge is available, the offense does not get on base. Without Aaron Judge, the offense is decrepit. But with Aaron Judge, they still don't do what they've done for two decades. And so you want to put it all on Dylan Lawson's shoulders? Mm. I, I don't think he's blameless. I Some people are acting like he's blameless. I don't think he's blameless. Uh, it's roster construction, it's people on the field, but clearly some organizational philosophy has taken them away from what they've been doing best for 20 years and towards, I don't know, swinging early, not getting on base and not hitting. So whatever that philosophy is, I don't subscribe to it. Well, it's the lineup too. I mean, why? How does Josh Donaldson get a get a spot in the three hole? What has he done at any point to prove that he deserves that? He's hitting one thirty on the year, and the only number that that jumps off the page, if that is a four fifty seven slugging percentage, and that's because a majority of his hits have been home runs. But he's not hitting the ball. He's no. not seeing the ball well. He's we talked the last podcast. He's whiffing on center cut ninety four. It's just not somebody you put in the first three. It's not somebody you put in the in the top three of the order, especially if um, you have Jake Bowers leading off, who I do like Jake Bowers, but like not really a top three guy on most teams in the world. Should be your worst player. Should totally be a, fine. Should yeah. be your worst player. Yeah. And then Rizzo's slump is just nonstop. Feels like it's never going to end. He's now two for his last 37. Um, you get DJ with the big hit the other night that, that uh, revives the team. Um, but, and he has that double last night, which you were hoping was going to materialize into something, but every other at bat is just, is gets more and more discouraging. And then, you know, the, uh, Billy, the, the, they showed the stats last night, the bottom of the order at one point of the game was four for nine. The top of the order didn't have a hit, didn't have a hit. So like, I don't know, I, I don't know how people, uh, the team is going through life like this, um, I don't know who you put in the third spot, I guess, but I just know it shouldn't be Josh Donaldson at this point. I know that this team is stuck with what they have because of the injuries that are rocking the team, and hopefully they're claiming Harrison Bader could be back for the Red Sox series. I don't know. Yeah, he went 0 for 4 last night. Welcome back. That's Welcome fine. home. <laughs> We're going to worry. We're not going to worry about an 0 for 4 uh, rehab assignment. No. Um, but yeah, and it comes down to, you know, the kind of the fortitude of the team. It's weird how you have the comeback on Tuesday and then you return back on Wednesday and you need the Mets errors to gift you runs. You need you need a, a pitcher who is 
whose windup is as slower than molasses to get somebody to steal home. Like that was a great job by IKF. I think that was, that was one of the coolest things we've seen all season, but like he read the situation, he read completely read the situation, right? But you needed a pitcher who was that clueless and that, you know, that, that kind of bad with attention I, I don't know what I'm saying. It's like crazy how that even that it's crazy how that even happened. But that's how this team is getting gets gifted runs on Wednesday night. And this Mets bullpen has been the subject of how many meltdowns over the last two weeks. I, I, obviously, I know that the meltdowns aren't going to continue happening, but they gave it to the Yankees at this point. Yeah, all of the, all of those relievers gave up a hit. Most of those relievers gave up a walk or had some other error. The Mets defense made two errors like. You can't lose that game, especially when you when you're given that three one lead in the seventh inning. You can't cough it right back. We could talk about, you know, Mets fans complaining about the controversial Brandon Nimmo call at second base. He was out. Sorry, the controversial lean in on the bases loaded pitch from Ron Marinovsky. Yeah, how about how about Brandon Nimmo leaning in on a hit by pitch and the umpire saying, "Come back." You leaned in on that, and him going, "Wait, what?" And then the umpire going, "Nah, never mind. Go to first. You're good." Yeah. Like. You want to talk about the controversial play at second. He shouldn't even been on base in the first place. I don't think Ron Marinaccio gets him out either way, but it's a coward's way out. That Brandon Nimmo lives his life like a coward. That's his baseball <laughs> career is built on cowardice. Can I get a? You yell at the Yankees for taking walks. Can I get on base? Can I get hit? That's what he, he goes up there going. Can I get hit every time? And he usually does. Yeah, and I don't know the 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 OBP situation to me is very concerning. I don't understand how two nine nine. I don't get it because. If any, if anything, you would think this team, what we got mad about so much over the last couple of years is that they're not aggressive early in counts. They yeah. look for walks. They are, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting there literally waiting. They're, they're hoping the border, every borderline pitches a ball. And now they can't get on base at all. When they're one thing. Now you got to hit strikes hard early in the count. Now we can oh, so never walk. Great. I'll never walk. But never walk and never hit the strikes hard. Like, yeah. I don't know. I heard I'm hearing hit strikes soft. It's like a guy doing an improv show. Can we get a suggestion from the audience? Hit strikes hard. Uh, sorry, I heard never hit strikes. Don't hit them hard at all. Got it. I'll do the opposite. And then you really want to get into you really want to get into the pressing stuff, which Why? I know that you're ready to talk about. Yankees record and extra innings on the road. I don't Shit's get it. Up unbelievable um they have the technically they only have the second worst record on the road in extra innings since 2002 2002 2022 uh technically the pirates one in six record is worse but to me going two and ten is worse than going one and six yes percentage is slightly different but you're playing a ton of these and you've lost 10 versus six you have lost 10 of your 12 divided by uh, yeah it's almost the same thing if you divide it by two one and five versus one and six yeah and, and uh i you know for some reason the data is not available to me i couldn't find it for overall teams on the road next year innings over the last two years i'm sure it is available but i was unable to find it but in 2021 the full season of the rule changes through mid-september the road team had a distinct advantage not disadvantage yeah you, you get to see a free guy right? You start with the free guy. You have a much easier chance of scoring first, at least, than you used to. You start the 10th with nobody in scoring position. Now you start the 10th with a guy in scoring position. You could put the pressure on the home team. In early September that year, away teams were 101 and 89 in extra innings mm. with an average margin of victory 1.71. Because of course, if you're winning, you're probably running up the score a little bit. Uh, so it's not even that like being at home gives you an advantage because of the mojo, but being on the road, it's it's basically evened out at least because of the ghost yeah. record at this point. The Yankees are 13 and three since the start of the 2022 season at home in extra inning games. And they just lost one of those to the Red Sox like two days ago, which is also why this is so frustrating. 13 and three is crazy. That's insane. And so if you want to say, and eh, it makes sense that they're terrible on the road because they're good at home and it all evens out karmically. I'm not looking for things to even out. I'm looking for the team to be roughly average in the situation where they're roughly at, maybe be one game under on the road or one game over. So they can take advantage of being crazy good at home. They have mastered extra innings at home. It's Michael King. A lot of the time, uh, Michael King threw two extra innings, in the first extra innings game of 2022, which was opening day against the Red Sox, he let the Ghost Runner score in the 10th. Yankees evened it up. He did not let the Ghost Runner score in the 11th. Josh Donaldson walked it off. 
something that would very rarely happen for the next two years. Then King went scoreless in extras against the Astros, if you remember. Went scoreless in extras against the Reds in a win. Did it against the Tigers. Was the Yankees' secret weapon last year. Helped them get off to this huge start. 13-3 at home is great. Uh, but when you're talking percentages and variances and it all evens out, it doesn't always even out for championship teams. We're supposed to even out for the 2018 Red Sox, right? But then it never did. They won 108 games in the World Series. So when you do that crazy thing at home, you go 13-3 and three and you're able to hold the other team scoreless and just move the runner over and get him in, which is what the home team does when they hold the road team scoreless. Uh, some of that prowess should probably transfer to the road so that you can maybe go 500 on the road. Then you are in great playoff position instead of treading water towards the bottom of the wildcard standings. Uh, Angelo, great question, because I have that for you. How many of the 10 losses did they not score in extra innings at all? Eight of them. Eight of them. Eight of them. The first one at Baltimore, they had two chances. 10th and 11th didn't score. Second one at Boston last year is the Alex Verdugo game is the worst game of all time. Yankees scored two in the top of the inning and were give, gave up three in the bottom. At Seattle, nope. That one went 13 innings. At Boston, three days later, nope. At Oakland, August 27th last year, yeah, they score in the 10th. They put two on the board, got it evened up in the bottom of the 10th. Uh, at Toronto in September last year, nope. And then you know why this is top of mind for Yankee fans? You know why they're especially annoyed at this lately? Because they've done it four times this year between May 7th and June 14th. Four times in a month, they have not scored in a single one of those games. Mm. Top of the 10th, free runner on second, don't score. Four times. At Tampa, the game where Garrett Cole blew that huge lead. At Toronto, the Danny Jansen walk-off. At Seattle, another one where they squatted an opportunity with the bases loaded. Franchi Cordero came up. And then yesterday, not even any drama involved. They just did not score that guy. And, of course, the Mets walked it off. Take umbrage with whatever you want. Jake Bowers, where he's playing in right field. Bottom line, score the ghost runner. You know why the Yankees have trouble with this? I think I've diagnosed it. Because yeah. they don't hit with runners in scoring position. And eventually the baseball season is going to get to a place where they can figure out your flaw. If they get Michael King keeping the other team off the board at home, all they have to do is move the guy over and get him in. Bunt, sack fly. Grounder, sack fly. Have they occasionally walked off with singles? Sure. But most now the pressure it couldn't be more off if you keep it tied to the bottom of the tent. It's just, my God, I just have to hit a well-placed ground ball suddenly you're more likely to hit a single because you're not really pressing. You're not thinking about it. When you are on the road, you not only have to score that ghost runner, you have to pile up runs because yeah. the home team is getting a runner on second too. So you got to go, all right, I got to get a hit here. I got to get this guy in. Then we got to get three more hits. This is since 2022, obviously, Alberta. They've done it uh, four times. They've done it five times this year, and they're one and four. Uh, they beat the Reds on the road. Uh, that wow. Was and they scored three runs because Anthony Rizzo homered. What you have to do if you're on the road is homer, put up three, put up four, uh, like, you know, be be aggressive. And so when the Yankees have to be aggressive, they go, no, I'm actually I have no idea what to do. I'm unlikely to get a hit here. So I think I'm just going to make it out. Um, and they they truly this year have not scored. Uh, they have played five extra inning games. One of them featured a one out Aaron Judge Ruby single. Glad Aaron Judge is on the team. That's good. Love that guy. Mm. Uh, and a Rizzo two-run homer. Ryan Weber saved it. Pretty cool. And then the other four, loss, 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 with uh, zero runs scored mm. by the New York Yankees in extra innings. When you can't hit with risk, the baseball gods will find you. And this team has never managed to hit with runs in scoring position consistently. No, good Good thing you brought that up, too, because I was looking at those numbers um, last night when I was sad. Um, the yeah. only team... The only teams worse than the Yankees this year with hitting the runners in scoring position are the Brewers, Mariners, Padres, Tigers, and Athletics. Tigers and Athletics, two of the worst teams in baseball. Padres, the most disappointing team in baseball. They're recovering, but still pretty disappointing. Mariners, one of the most disappointing contenders as well. Uh, back in 2021, this was similar narrative. Uh, 237 with runners in scoring position, so that would have ranked um what there would only be one two three four five six seven eight teams worse than them which is still not good for how good this team is supposed to be and then last year 245 with runners in scoring position that would still put them 18th in the league this year that's not good especially when you have guys who theoretically do hit with runners in scoring position anthony rizzo was one of those guys dj lemayhew was automatic in that category for 
two straight years and even portions of 2021 before he fully went down. Aaron Judge, one of the best hitters in the league, if not the best. Giancarlo Stanton should be one of the best hitters in the league. Constantly injured, and it's hard for him to figure out ways to get back on track. So, like, that's been the core of the team for the last two, three years. And as you throw in other players, such as IKF, such as Jose Trevino, such as Harrison Bader, such as all these other replacement guys who are trying to fill in, you lose the constant aspect of it and it becomes more disheveled and you're probably not, you know, instituting this philosophy of hitting with runners in scoring position. You're just worried about filling positions with bodies. So that's where it gets complicated. So the guys who were supposed to be carrying the load are not doing that. It's obvious they're not doing that, especially when somebody is out. When Stanton is out, you see various other players except for Aaron judge struggling. When Aaron judge is out, nobody knows how to play baseball. So there's a larger discussion to be had um, about something just being rotten. Don't know what it is. Don't know what the problem is. Can't even blame, like, even people were blaming Aaron Boone for last night. It's like, do we even know what we're blaming anymore? Like, the bullpen was limited. Do I entirely know why Wandy Peralta couldn't come in and get a day off today and then get Friday off? No, but... It didn't happen. So he was clearly, terrible on Tuesday. Yeah. Am I, I going to really say like, oh, no. well, to solve that problem? He's been pretty bleak. Exactly. Long, yeah. So like, look, the bullpen is MLB's best, but the bullpen still, every bullpen is, it's they're hard to manage. But Aaron Boone, you know, to me, he can't control one for 15 with runners in scoring position. You know, maybe don't bat Donaldson third and that helps. But if there's one thing Hal Steinbrenner said that was right over the past 10 years is that the players need to perform. You have enough players on this team that can theoretically perform and they don't perform consistently enough. And then that's where you end up with these shitty numbers with OBP and runners in scoring position. And that's what puts you in these precarious now uh, stretches of the season where you're not able to weather the injury storms. And now you're facing your division rival who, you know, is coming up tomorrow who you theoretically should have stomped out last week and you didn't because you're unable to score any runs. So I don't know. Like, it's the same conversation I feel for now three years and the shortened 2020 season really threw everything off kilter for this organization um, because even in the years before that, like 2017, magic year. 2018, team was fucking good, but the Red Sox were just better. 2019, team was fucking great. Injuries just hit them at the wrong time. So, like, we're in we're in a post-COVID period here where nobody kind of – there's no identity. It's Aaron Judge is the identity, and then that's it. And it's like, yeah, you'd like to hit home runs, but we're kind of not doing that either. So, like, maybe we make some trades. Maybe we try to bring in new people to, you know, uh, help out the clubhouse. That doesn't really work either. So um, I've been a big proponent of just getting getting everything out, getting Boone out, getting Cashman out, keeping Judge, and then just figuring, figuring you know, a new philosophy from there. But they're not going to do that, and they got to live with what they have. And, you know, at that point, then we start shifting to the players, and it's like hit the ball. Hit the ball. Yeah. There are precious few players I like truly care about. I don't mean that in a, in a rude way. Yeah, no, yeah. I love this team. They're just precious few players who, if you told me they were gone, I would be like, no, don't do that. Like Aaron Judge is one of them, but there aren't many. Obviously, a burner. You'll like this. Uh, the the average scores of those games. The first one uh, you watched, because it was a uh, blowing a six nothing lead to the Rays. The Yankees lost that game eight seven in extras. But the other ones, oh, the other ones. Last night they lose four three. The other two extra inning losses this year, Yankees had zero runs. Wow. Got walked off by the Mariners, one nothing, and Danny Jansen hit a three-run home run to walk them off in Toronto. So mm. one really high-scoring game where all the runs came early and then they didn't hit for the remainder of the game. Uh, two shutouts in last night's game where uh, they got a run because the Mets threw a double play ball away and then IKF stole home. Yankees, scored a, Yankees had a game this week where they scored two runs, 2-1 two lead in the eighth inning against the Red Sox because the ball bounced off second base. Jose Trevino hit an inning-ending ground ball that bounced into center field. Now, you got to win that game. you got to win that game because you, you, that's that's luck. That is yeah. luck. I, I get on the Red Sox all the time. I say they have the most luck. That is luck. That's a lucky thing that happened, and you got to win that game. Uh, they did not. Uh, also, some fun stats. Last nine games without Judge. 
196 batting average. It's 30th in baseball. They have the 30th ranked OBP, 28th ranked slugging, 30th ranked OPS, 28th in runs, 28th in RBI, 19th tied, tied for 19th in homers. That's great. 29th in weighted runs created plus and 28th in F war minus 0.2. Uh, those are from Max Goodman of NJ.com and Star thanks Max. Uh, also when I refreshed Twitter to look at Max's stats, the tweet that came up was a picture of somebody's hand in a bag full of mosquitoes. So it's just fucking great. Great to look at. Good to see that kind of thing on Twitter. Content. Uh, Content nobody change, yeah. Nobody change anything. Keep feeding me bugs on hands. Uh, but if you're a betting person in a betting state where that's legal, you haven't tried it yet. We recommend you sign up with our awesome sports betting promo for new bet three, six, five users. That's today's promo with bet three, six, five. All you gotta do is deposit $10 Place a $1 wager on any sport. The script says all you have to do. I say all you got to do because I'm a rebel. You'll instantly receive $200 added to your account in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, all you have to do is use the code YGYBetting at sign up. That's YGYBetting right there in the lower right-hand corner of the screen if you're streaming with us. You not only receive the $200 in bonuses, you will also be directly supporting the podcast. So if you haven't signed up for Bet365, join with the code YGYBetting and place that first bet. This offer is available for new customers who are 21+. plus. And physically present in most legal gambling states, please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And if you want to see the Yankees, check our tweets, check a code, uh, check a link in the episode description as well. We've got a 50% off uh, code for you. YGY is the code. Follow that link, type it in, you'll unlock the offer. I think you'll enjoy it. It comes directly from the New York Yankees, who must wow. not have heard our recent criticisms of the New York Yankees, because they still like us, so they're willing to give us codes. Uh, that's directly from the Yankees. YGY is the code. Just click the link we tweeted. The link is also in the description here. Get your tickets uh, to select games. See the Mariners. They're in town next week. So there's sure. a Pride special, too. We can't get you a code on that, but maybe just buy the Pride offer. That's a fun time. Yeah. Uh, maybe Matt Dermody gets traded to the Mariners at that point, <laughs> a famous homophobic member of the Boston Red Sox, and you could uh, root against him. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We got to talk about Luis Severino, obviously, obviously, of course, the Yankees' worst pitcher who Aaron Boone allowed to manage the game briefly on a, a Tuesday. Like, I, I want to talk about Seve. I want to talk about Volpe. I want to talk about Aaron Hicks, Gary Sanchez, kind of. Let's talk about Seve first. Yeah. Um, the game's incredible, right? The, the, they come back, uh, make embarrass Max Scherzer. Volpe's going the other way. Josh Donaldson, that sack fly, the bullpen holds on. All the love in the world for Clay Holmes right now, who is looking like all-star Clay Holmes and has a couple weeks left and honestly might make it to the all-star team. I'm sure we'll continue predicting that as time goes on. It's Right now, it's just like Judge and Cole. That's that's like that's it. Like Anthony Rizzo's lost 30 points off his average. He ain't going, I don't think. Uh, King probably deserves it, but they're not going to make the Yankees – seventh inning swingman and all-star. So it's probably like Cole and judge or Holmes or King, probably not. Uh, but all the love in the world to clay Holmes, who looked utterly unreal and has looked pretty much unreal for like a month plus now. Um, all the people who said he doesn't have the stones to close. Uh, he might, he actually might have the stones to close. Uh, but Luis Severino doesn't really have the stones for anything right now. And some people categorizing this as a tough free agent decision this off season. It's not, it's easy. He's, not coming, he's not coming back. Whew. And he doesn't want to come back. Show me. Show me those people. Oh, you, you know who. One of your favorite tweeters. Um, he, he, Carabas? What? Carabas? Yeah, Carabas. My, <laughs> literally, my life has gotten so much better since I blocked Carabas the second day of the 2019 season. 
Oh, man. I remember it well. The Red Sox started playing poorly as soon as I blocked him. I'm never unblocking him. Uh, but Severino, uh, yeah, just slop. I mean, he ended up what throwing 98. He ended up throwing 98 in this game. So I cool. guess the stuff was back. Maybe it is a mechanical issue. Um, I, obviously, Bernard, I just don't. I don't think so because he is going to. He's not going to come at the discount that they that if he was like available for two years, 24 million, then yes, they would bring him back. Um, but I think even at his worst, he's getting 16, 17, 18 a year for three or four. I don't think there's. I don't think they're going to do that. And they put him on the IL against his will last year. They put him on the IL against his will this year. They showed him a calendar to explain time last year, and he smacked it out of somebody's hand. Uh, he yeah, hates them. It, maybe it is the mechanics. Look, maybe it is the mechanics because he did get the hop back on the fastball in this game, but two box in an inning, uh, no strike, no swings and misses on the slider on Tuesday after having an outing with no swings and misses on the fastball in his last start against uh, Chicago. I was saying the whole time, no, he had a swing and miss. He struck out Yoan Moncada in the first inning. He had one swing and miss. Nope, it was a foul tip, and Savant says that's not a swing and miss. So zero mm-hmm. on his heater in one start to zero on the breaking stuff in his next start. Uh, something is rotten in the state of Denmark. It's perhaps more rotten with Severino than anybody else, and I don't doubt that he'll go somewhere and eventually show flashes of greatness, but he also will not stay healthy, and they will remain flashes. Uh, I'm even more confident in him not making the Yankees regret his departure than I am in, in Aaron Hicks, who has made them regret his departure for a couple of weeks now. I don't think that's going to last, but I'm even more confident that Severino won't. Um, Randy Vasquez is right there. I think Severino needs a phantom IL stint. I, don't, I, I also think it might be a real IL stint because you don't just lose five miles an hour in velocity. Yeah, whatever's going on here is either injury-related or it's simply unprofessional. Um, losing your mechanics at this juncture of your career after finally getting back on track with regular outings, or I guess we would say regular outings for what Luis Severino is capable at this point in his career. Um, I don't like the body language either. I mean, if you're going to get rocked, get fucking rocked. Don't get rocked and mope your way around the mound, look confused constantly, shake your head left and right, that's what gets the opponent. It just gives the opponent more of the upper hand. At least try to go in there and blow the fastballs by them, locate as best you can, and you could say you gave it the old college try. But Luis Severino, he threw 37 balls last night, or on Tuesday night. 37. The start before that, he threw 31 against the White Sox. The start before that, 22. Like, or I'm sorry, 28 on 83 pitches. Like, there he's not he's not confident whatsoever. He's not locating. The velocity continues to oscillate without any reason for it. Because if he's not injured, then it's a mechanical thing or it's a mental thing. And we know that he's dealt with mechanical things and mental things before. So he's still clearly not over whatever obstacles are preventing him from getting to the point where he needs to be. And I will still die on the head. And I need to, I was looking for this podcast episode the other day because I know people will f- come at me and tell me that I'm being captain hindsight. I said in the off season, they should consider trading him because there was no way, no way. And I want to know all the people out there, all of you come in, we'll have a conversation. It'll be amicable. Who thought you were going to get, the 2017, 2018 version of Luis Severino this year. I don't know who thought that. I don't know why you thought that. The Yankees thought that. And the Yankees thought that because the Yankees needed to get every last bit of value out of this deal because they signed him to a $40 million extension before 2019. And he pitched a handful of games after that, after that, um, uh, right right at that as that season started so they picked up this option thinking hey it's a good price for a starting pitcher he just gave us 19 pretty good ones so you know logic suggests we won't deal with injury issues this year why would you ever think that all that we've dealt with for five years is injury issues this is the fifth year i'm sorry all you dealt with the last four years was injury issues why would the fifth year not bring more injury issues Called out the organization multiple times. How does that help anybody? It helps absolutely nobody. This was the one-off season, the one chance you had over the last four years 
to get some value for him. And anybody looking at this roster knows that there was holes everywhere with the exception of Aaron Judge, with the exception of, I mean, you, you can call Glaber Torres an asset still because middle infielders are hard to come by. First base, you know, that's probably it though. Harrison Bader, I think, is an asset, but you didn't know what you were going to get out of him health-wise. So another athletic outfielder wouldn't have hurt. You had the opportunity to trade him. A lot of teams would have provided value that you would have needed for $15 million a year for an expiring contract for a guy with co-ace potential. But you knew the co-ace potential was not going to revive itself in New York. You're fooling yourself if you thought it was, or you're just too optimistic and you need to be optimistic more about the right things instead of the outlandish things because this is an outlandish thing. And at this point, now it's looking like, it, it's looking like they're even dumber like at the, it would have been smarter for them to just reject the option, say enjoy free agency early, see what you get out there. Starts the season off on the IL, comes back May 21st. Now he's back May 21st, gives you one promising outing for, for in the Reds game, and it was only promising because that was his first outing since September. Four innings long. And it was okay. and 75 pitches, so you're like, okay, velocity's there. You knew he was going to be on a pitch count. Pretty good. Win the game, cool. Comes back for the Padres start, looks good for two innings and a little wonky. Defense bails him out. Um, his FIP rose dramatically after that one because he he managed to he he got bailed out of a lot of situations. But hey, I'll even take that six and a third, one earned. I will take that. I had no complaints after that Sebi start. But you saw maybe the crack starting to develop because then the next three you have the Dodgers outing in the first inning, which was uh, shaping up to be the worst start of his career if he had gotten removed. Before the before the start of the second, the White Sox game where it was like again you're putting your team in a hole. The team can't hit. Why are you doing this? I know the White Sox have kind of been good lately, but you have to rebound after that Dodger start and not start that one off as bad as you possibly can. And then you have the game against the Mets where it was the worst one. Honestly, it was worse than the Dodgers one for me. At least he rebounded in the Dodgers game and said, you know what, I'm going to go three more innings. I'll get this team. You know, I won't kill the bullpen. This one, he does end up going four and two thirds, but there was no point at, in that start where you were like, okay, he's finally, he's, he's going to settle down and relax. It was just constant getting beat bopped around. And the Yankees, the Yankees were lucky to have won that game. They won, they won in spite of Luis Severino that night. So I will die on the hill that he should have been traded in the offseason. There were plenty of other pitchers available. They could have signed. They could have signed them for multi-year deals too at, you know, at cheaper than a $15 million AAV, it would have worked out well, I thought. And now we're sitting here and I don't even know who's, if there is somebody thinking that we can now get Severino at a discount this off season, reevaluate everything about yourself, your being, your, your daily routine, because that is the absolute worst move the Yankees, the Yankees could make. They'd be better off overpaying somebody who is not going to give them, who is not going to equate to the dollar value, but is still going to be able to take the mound every fifth day and keep you, you know, in games every third start. Luis Severino is not going to be able to do that for the rest of this run. There is nothing that indicates to us that that he should. I don't, I don't know where to go from here, and it honestly looks bad that they picked up this option solely because, and you know, solely because they wanted to get an inkling of value because of all the money they wasted. I think they are too optimistic on their guys, even down to the in-game stuff where it, he puts up the worst three innings you've ever seen, box twice the other oh, day. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. And, and there's a runner on second, two outs in the fifth, and Aaron Boone goes, you got this? He goes, I got this. Leave me in. And Boone leaves him in to give him a win. He surrenders the lead. They, they win the game. Who hit that, too? Uh, Guillaume. Yeah, of course. Luis Guillaume, a part-time player. Yeah, 580 OPS, who later in the game uh, made the final out. And, and Mets people were like, why is he bat Like, <laughs> they, they scream about how right. Vientos needs to pinch hit for him because he's the, he's the guy who beat Severino there. Um, Angelo, I think, like, if they let him walk, they're not going to not replace him. Like, they, they'll go get – look at what the Dodgers do every year. They, they replace these guys in the aggregate. And they're People like Rich Hill – I don't think the Yankees should sign Rich Hill. No. But they should get two veteran arms for two-thirds the cost of Luis Severino. And then, yeah, I do think they have enough faith in their AAA. Maybe not their AAA starting pitchers, but the guys level below. Chase Hampton, who just got called up to AA today, really fast riser, and everybody believes in him tremendously. Randy Vasquez looked great. Luis Heal will be back by then. 
Um, so I don't think like the problem is the guys triple A aren't plug and play right now. I don't think they're going to be like, let's let Savvy walk and give Johnny Brito a rotation spot. But you signed two trusted veteran arms with two thirds of 70 percent of Severino's money. And then you do continue developing the guys at double A have them ready for next year to take. And he'll will be back. Who I think we all liked while he was here. So, yeah. Um, who could we have signed? Let's see. They Waka. signed Rodon. Waka could have signed Waka for cheap. That would have been right up the Yankees alley. I think, I think Senga would have been a good deal. I, you could have done Chris Bassett. If you let 15 million, Chris Bassett signed for a 21 million AAV, Luis Severino's 15 million. You could have done. That's why Severino's walking in free agency. The book, by the way, if Bassett gets 21 mil injured, Severino's getting 18, 19. Of course you had, um, I, I wouldn't endorse Eflin, but. He's pitching well. Um, Evaldi wouldn't have worked out for us, so I will scrap that one. Um, Tyler Anderson's not pitching well for us, but that's a bargain deal. That's thirteen million a year. He's someone who will probably be he'll he'll be fine for you. He'll be fine. Uh, we could have got Andrew Heaney back. I'm sure everybody would have loved that, right, guys? I mean, that's the thing. The Yankees can't <laughs> do something like that. But if you let, they're they're probably better off with Heaney instead of Severino. And they could Somehow. be doing the hindsight game. They could be doing we outsmarted the fans if they did that. But they would never do that because the yeah. fans would. Uh, it's like signing Joey Gallo right now. Yeah. Kyle Gibson, Seth Lugo. You know, you want to talk about saving money and uh, getting somebody in there who's just going to be fine, who's going to be quality. You You're could get, theoretically listing a bunch of people worse than Luis Severino, but yes. they're performing better than him this year, and they're actually pitching. So Exactly. These people actually pitch. They're not great, but they also don't necessarily do this. And the reason why this is bad is because it's so below the expectations that it makes it – I'd rather have somebody in here who you'd be like, okay, whatever, go do what you're going to do. And it sounds dumb, but it's like, yeah, I'd rather be pleasantly surprised by like, a seven in a seven shutout performance by Kyle Gibson, then deal with Luis Severino giving up seven earned runs in the first inning. And, you know, I think it's fair to not be upset because that was one of the worst outings of the entire season that would, that, you know, any, any, like any mid tier starter would experience. So I don't know why that, I don't know why we have to deal with this. I don't know why the Yankees don't have answers. I don't know. I, I just don't get it. But now you, there's been a lot of scars and a lot of issues with this relationship. And the Yankees obviously never read into that. And I think that plays a role with Severino. He knows that there are expectations for him to deliver. He knows that this is an all important year for the Yankees world series hopes and his free agency hopes. So it's mounting pressure. His hasn't really dealt with pressure that well for a while now. Hasn't even been exposed to pressure because he hasn't been able to pitch. So you have all these factors leaning into it. And it's like, at this point, you'd rather just start fresh with somebody else who theoretically has less talent, and just has the ability to go out there and pitch. And that, I don't know why I'm asking for somebody who could just go out there and pitch without making me want to pull my hair out, but that's what I'm asking for. It's all I want. Kyle Gibson, eight and three, three, nine, oh, ERA. I mean, again, it's a hilarious thing to be listing these pitchers. So you go, yeah, that guy's yeah. worse than Sevy. That guy's worse than Sevy. That guy's worse than Sevy. And everybody's laughing. But at the same, like, if you're here, if you're watching all these Sevy starts, you know, he's, he's not giving them a chance to win right now. And there's, it's an acrimonious relationship. So honestly, honestly, everybody wants my honest take. I do. You guys come here for my honest take. Luis Severino hasn't been Luis Severino since July 1st, 2018. Correct. On Is that it- day, six and two thirds, two hits, six Ks against the Red Sox and an 11-1 win. Lowered his ERA to one nine eight and his FIP to two three zero. One of the best starts in Yankees modern Yankees history. Again, remember earlier when I was screaming about how we've never had pitching that have a homegrown ace like that. You've never seen anything like that. Next start, three earned and five against the Jays. Four earned and five against Cleveland. Seven runs, six earned in five and eleven hits against Tampa. Six earned in four and a third against Kansas City. Four earned in five and two thirds against Boston. I keep going. Three and seven against Chicago. Fine. Four in four on seven hits against the New York Mets with two homers. He gave up a home run to Jose Batista in that game. I will never forget that. I was at that baseball game. I am convinced that something was wrong in his shoulder at that point in time. I will never not be convinced of that. His one nine eight ERA at the end of play on July first ballooned to three five two. At its peak in early September, after a five-earned run, two-and-two-thirds outing against Oakland, it eventually was lower to 3-3-9. But looking at his season and saying, 
339 with a 295 FIP is not an accurate descriptor of the 2018 season. He was otherworldly and had a terrible second half. He was injured as soon as he showed up in 2019 and only threw a couple relief appearances. You can't convince me he wasn't injured for the entirety of the 2018 season. Uh, 2018 playoffs, he also forgot when a game started. He warmed up for three minutes. And the Ron Darling-led broadcast was like, why didn't he warm up for longer? And then Aaron Boone was like, no, that was normal, actually. No, it wasn't. Uh, and then 2020, he has Tommy John surgery. 2021, doesn't pitch till the end of the season. 2022, a good 100 innings. A good 19 starts. First time not enough. Just time. not enough, though. Not, not enough and not what he was in 2018, either. He hasn't been the guy you're thinking about since 2018. Um, maybe That's there's sad. hope. Maybe there's hope somewhere else. It's also uh, another sad thing. It's all sad. It's Rodon. Sad. It's like Rodon. It's like, when are we going to see him? We got a positive update, but it's just sad now. It's just sad. I, I mean, I'm on the verge of, I was on the verge of being sad about Anthony Volpe until he went and talked to the Yankees hitting coach and they got everything sorted out with his swing and he started going to the opposite field. Oh, no, wait. They fixed his swing uh, looking at old footage of when he was successful in the minors, um, but they didn't do it. Minor league teammate Austin Wells did it. Yankees minor league catching prospect Austin Wells and Anthony Volpe had some chicken parm together on the Monday. Uh, looked at his old stance, figured out that he was he, he was set up entirely differently than he had been at Double A. They go back to the stance. Suddenly, hard contact with authority the other way. Volpe has three doubles in this series. One of them is Brandon Nimmo being a fool, but he has two doubles in this series. A warning track fly out to left, hard grounder in the hole. Um, and most importantly, the double yesterday, he goes oppo. He hits a line drive oppo down the right field line, which he has not done since April. I can't declare him fixed, but I can declare that I'm interested. And uh, I can also declare that this reflects extremely poorly on the Yankee staff that either couldn't figure out that they should be looking at old footage of a successful Volpe, or they didn't like the old successful Volpe stance and thought their way was better. They were wrong. It broke him temporarily. I think the talent is still in there. I think that much was obvious from this week, which rejuvenated my opinion on him a little bit. But how foolish do the goddamn Yankees look again here? Yeah, it never ends. And this is why, again, it's frustrating because these things put like we could have talked about Tuesday's win today. Um, yeah. And we could have given that time. Uh, but there were simply too many things that happened after two after Tuesday's game ended and right now for us to not talk about that. And this is one of them. Um, yeah. All it takes is some friends and some chicken parm to help Anthony Volpe. I like the theory of that. That's nice. I like my friends. I also like chicken parm a lot. Um, and I'm sure that would help me through a tough stretch, but again, what are we doing? We have these multiple, uh, quotes and comments from Dylan Lawson where you're just like, what? He says earlier in the season he doesn't give a shit what the offensive stats are, even what? though that is indicative of his job. You know what, guys? That's like me saying I don't give a shit what the Bet Six Three Five signups are. But yeah. guess what? That keeps the podcast alive. So go sign up. Uh, I'm going to plug that there again. Uh, YGY betting for first time users. Um, then he talks about Anthony Volpe hitting a professional 200 and not a bad 200. Yeah. Um, 200's bad. Uh, let's leave it at that. Even if you hate that again, OBP too. We got to yeah. finally a team wide professional two ninety nine OBP from this shit show. Yeah, the only time hitting two hundred is acceptable is if you're Adam Dunn, and Adam Dunn no longer plays baseball. I loved watching Adam Dunn. Great guy. Um, that player does not exist anymore. He so, hit home runs and got on base though. Yankees yeah. still get on base. So like exactly hitting, hitting two hundred with a three eighty OBP. I'm like, yeah, cool, great yeah. player. That's pretty fucking like, cool. One of the lowest qualified OBPs in baseball. Yeah. I did like what I saw over these last two games. I don't understand why the Yankees couldn't have figured this out sooner. Um, as we discussed in the last podcast, because it was also a sad one. Um, That's why I feel like they didn't want to figure it out, though. Because it is ridiculous to say, oh, we forgot to look at old footage of him. Like, there's no way. They had to have, not liked, they had to have not liked the stance. And Ben, like, you're good. You could get better if you do this. And then it threw off him, his game entirely. And well, then Austin Wells put it back. Yeah. The easiest thing is to go, all right, let's see what he was doing, you know, the last two years, because that's when he was performing exceptionally well. And that would give us an easy out. And you don't even have to tell anybody you did that. You probably just have the tapes. You, you throw them in the VCR. You think they use VCR still? 
Uh, the Yankees? Yes. Any other team? No. <laughs> yeah, completely outdated in every in every way possible. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I it's another thing where I don't know. I you guys come here, you try to get info from us um, and some insight, and then I just don't fucking know. I don't know what this what they're doing. I don't know what the thought process is, when, especially when nobody's hitting too. Like Josh Donaldson not hitting, I don't care because Josh Donaldson's not good. He hit the aging curve harder than anybody could have ever imagined. So, like, good. Don't work on Josh Donaldson if you don't want to. Lost cause. He's gone after this year anyway. Fine. Anthony Volpe, the prized the prized possession of this entire organization of the next, hopefully, 10, 15 years of this organization, you're watching him progressively get worse from April to May to June, and we're, we're not doing anything? It's taking him, you know, on his own to figure this out, so... I don't know. I, I really just the, the strikes are not being hit hard. The walks are not happening. The tweaks in the swings are not happening. You you talk about Aaron Hicks, which we'll talk about in a second. Leaves the team. We talked about it last podcast. Goes to the Orioles. They said, "Hey, we watched some tape. We think we could fix your stance," and they did for twelve games so far. Yeah. Small sample size, but it still happened. Hasn't hit that well in a Yankees uniform since uh, maybe twenty eighteen. 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 So again, I don't know. I'm sorry, guys, but I don't know. You want to – you call Josh Donaldson a lost cause. How do you feel about a shirt with Dylan Lawson's face that says lost cause, L-A-W-S-T cause? Um, it's a pretty good shirt. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what, what more is there to say about Anthony Volpe making a significant change to his swing because he was hanging out with an old friend and eating chicken parm that was not made one time by the major league coaching staff? I've agreed with the point that I think we put too much – responsibility on Lawson's shoulders yeah. and and on Marcus Timms and all the hitting coaches that came sure. before them. I know I was frustrated with Kevin Long. Sometimes it is just on the players, but if you can't figure this one out, then it is fair to say bad look for the for the franchise. Prefer to ask at least. Prefer to ask. I'd love to know. Can somebody ask can somebody ask? Can somebody say, hey, isn't it like not a great look that that came out? Did anybody tell Anthony who isn't exactly from the Derek Jeter school of media quite yet? Did anybody say maybe lie? Maybe say Dylan Lawson taught you something. Do you really want to say Austin Wells and my mom's chicken fixed my swing? It's not great. Um, but you mentioned Aaron Hicks, who uh, the Orioles coaches basically took him aside and said, hey, we looked at one tape and we figured this out. And he's hitting 350, playing a great center field. The center field stuff is sandbagging it, but the offense is it's back. Gary Sanchez goes to San Diego. 136 OPS plus six bombs this year and 56 at bats hasn't looked like this since early 2019. Um, the Hicks thing falls on the Yankees. The Gary thing does not. It's this is his fourth team since leaving New York. It, it's much more embarrassing for the New York Mets who are worse than the Yankees and just had Gary Sanchez on their team three weeks ago. And he goes to San Diego and immediately hits six homers in a week and a half. Um, I'm also a fan of Gary Sanchez. I just wasn't a fan of him behind the plate, nor was I a fan of him with the New York Yankees by the end of the 2021 campaign. Yeah. I'm um, for Gary. Good for him. I'm much more annoyed with Aaron Hicks, who yeah. oh, I don't mind the Orioles. It's I'm glad it's the Orioles and not the Red Sox, Rays, or Jays. But um, I, that's the, the swing tweak. I believe it. I believe that the Orioles uncovered it. The effort in center field, the ability to somehow man the toughest outfield position after he spent the last two years in New York staring at fair balls, I don't buy it. He didn't want to play last year. He didn't want right. to play this year. He didn't want to play the year before. Nope. And, I, you know, you, I, it, there is some level of it that you sympathize with where, especially this year, booed before he could even step on the field. That's not fair to anybody. No. Um, everybody gets a fresh start every season, and uh, they have a chance to redeem themselves. So, yeah, at that point, it's a it's a big fuck it because you don't want to be in that. And that's why we faulted the Yankees at that point because it was like, hey, fans are not treating him well, haven't really been treating him well for two years now. He doesn't really want to be here. What are we waiting for? Just do it, figure out another uh, course of action, and we'll probably be better off for it. Now you have 27 outfield injuries. You could use a guy like Aaron Hicks who hits from the left side of the plate. You could maybe look at some goddamn film and figure out what's wrong with his swing. Maybe he gets on an offensive hot streak. Maybe his effort on the defensive side picks up. Like, And I'm not saying they shouldn't have released him. I've been saying they should have released him since 2021, you know, 
when him and Joey Gallo were here, it was the worst baseball you'd ever watched. You wanted everybody gone. You wanted to start from scratch. So it was the right decision to release him. But you have to wonder if you, you know, if the organization had done it earlier or if they just had taken more aggressive steps to figure out what was wrong with him or to even just work with him because it feels like they really didn't, then this could have been a lot different. Um, Gary, happy for Gary. He's kind of t- there. The Padres, the Padres win last night. Uh, great question. Because if they, they did, they are nine and four when Gary Sanchez starts. I think they hit a billion homers and did win, but I got to check yep. again. If he um, was in the game, they are nine and four when he starts, and they are five and zero. Five and zero yesterday. Five nothing. Did Gary start? Let's find out. Yes, he did. They are like nine and four when Gary Sanchez starts, and I think they are um, nine and one when he gets a hit. Or I'm sorry, uh, eight and one when he gets a hit. Zero for three with a walk last night, but Michael yeah. comfortably led Michael Waka through another brilliant start. Seven and two, two eight nine for that guy. Yeah, look through the podcasts. We talked about Severino getting traded. We talked about signing Waka to a one-year deal. I promise you that. Look through them. The number of podcasts we've done where it's just like, yeah, you should sign this guy to a one-year deal. Oh, but he costs more than zero dollars, so they won't. Like the embarrassing off-season podcast where it's like, Waka on a one-year eight million flyer. Pretty good. Yeah, but he's not free, and so it's just going to be the guys in the room if that's cool. Like, can I have a diet, Michael Waka? Ooh, we have Pepsi guys who are already here. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I don't like the guys who are already here, but yes, I guess I have to drink that. Um, that's basically it for the Yanks New York podcast. I mean, the, the Yankees are playing the Red Sox this weekend, but like, what, what do you what, want? What, what do you want? A great job against the Rockies. Boston, really well done. You lose two games in extra innings to the Colorado Rockies. You fall down 2-1 yesterday. Find that tweet at least that you, that you hated. Hmm? Find that tweet that you endeavors had like the dribbler and the beat reporter was like groans are starting to get louder. Like people are getting frustrated. And it's like you oh, just God. fucking beat the Yankees in the Bronx, dude. I can't. I can't. I can't with Boston. It, it was like, again, what was it all weekend long? It was Rafael Devers, superstar. He owns Cole. He is Cole's daddy or whatever. And then Devers hit a long fly out and got robbed in the first game and then hit a double play with the bases loaded and no out in the first for a dribbler double play. And it was like Devers refused to talk to the media today. Frustration is clearly growing in Boston. <laughs> like, wasn't it one day ago that you told me he owns my franchise and life is good? And literally the next day it's like, Hmm. Humbles, collapses, falls apart, ducks the media like Bogarts did all last year. Horrible job by the Red Sox in their home series against the Rockies. But you know what? <laughs> it's going to reverse entirely. Yeah, worry, guys. The exact opposite will happen this weekend. Don't Every single worry. thing that happened in that Rocky series will reverse, except the Devers two home run game in the second game of that series. That will happen exactly the same way. He will hit two home runs in a game against the Yankees. Every time I go to Fenway, I'm like, just take one, just take one. Go ahead and try to take one. It's not going to be easy. Domingo in the opener. Same matchups as last week. Domingo, Hauk, and then uh, Bayo and Clark Schmidt. Interested to see what Clark Schmidt looks like at Fenway. That's a good – if the Yankees were just, like, good, that would be, like, a fun game where you're like, that's a fun test. Rookie on a heater going to Fenway. If he's good, wonderful. If he's bad, whatever. But since the Yankees aren't on a heater, they kind of need every game they can get. I'm going to be stressed out over that one. Uh, And then Sunday night, James Paxton against uh Luis I Severino. Swear to God. Luis swear Severino. To God. Who's excited for that one? Who's excited for that puppy? It's just like the last series. They need to win one and they kind of got to win the first one. Otherwise they're going to be under the eight ball and winning either Saturday or Sunday. Uh shocker, it's on Fox on Saturday. Shocker, it's on ESPN on Sunday. We don't enjoy this either. The rest of the baseball world, oh Yankees Red Sox on national television again. I don't I also don't want it. I I don't want it. Um it just I know I'm selling this team short. And I know that the Red Sox fans thought they were spiraling out of control and then they came to the Bronx and won two. So I know if the Yankees win two, everyone I made fun of the other day is going to be like, I thought you were spiraling. Why'd you look so good this weekend? I'm prepared for that to happen because the Yankees aren't going to win two this weekend. They're going to win one maximum and they might get swept because Fenway is in Yankee Stadium. Yankees go to Fenway, they look like garbage. Red Sox come to Yankee Stadium, they look comfortable. Uh, Would love to take one, not confident. Uh, Am I confident? No, I think they'll take one. Because once again, the Red Sox are bad, and I don't care if that comes back to haunt me because it's objectively true. I mean, it's true. They'll go on to be bad in the next series after this. It yeah. doesn't change that. We're not uh, – yeah, I mean, we are bad. 
right now. We're not bad. The offense is bad. And the Red Sox can hit, and the Red Sox are at home. Now, against the Rockies, the Red Sox didn't hit at all. Against us, they didn't hit at all. They actually outpitched us. So if they continue to not hit, we have a chance. But if they wake up and remember where they are and what stadium they're in and the fact that they're Rafael Devers, then, yeah, they'll probably beat us up this weekend. Cool. Well, we'll see what happens because that's all we could do at this point, right? Every day is a new fucking surprise. I do think we get, I think we, I think we do a satisfying job this weekend, but I'm not making any proclamations. And again, I know the Red Sox are going to come out swinging um, and they haven't for weeks and they're going to this weekend. So uh, what's the point in analyzing it? We'll see you all next week on Tuesday after that series is over after our Monday off day. Again, we're off. The Yankees are off. They keep being off on Mondays. Very convenient and helpful. Glad you joined us. Lively comment section in the stream, 2 o'clock Eastern, even though obviously a burner is a Rays fan. I'll see you live on the Baseball Insiders in 20 minutes. Obviously a burner. I'll see you there, hopefully. Um, But thanks for joining us, everybody. 2 o'clock Eastern is the time the podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, the good ones, the bad ones. Yeah. What are are the bad ones? I don't know. Uh, Again, I'm not Dylan Lawson, so I'm not going to say, like, we're on the worst podcast platforms, too. Those are really dregs the dumps no i'm not gonna bad talk the podcast platforms because that's how professionalism works um i'm adam weiner but you can find me on twitter at adam weiner it's right there right under me the bet 365 promo if you're in a legal betting state is ygy betting if you're a new user in a legal betting state thomas carinante where can the people find you they could find me at tommy's underscore takes they could find both of us at the official yanks go yard twitter account at yanks go yard fs they could find our bylines at yanksgoyard.com. You guys are having fun there, right? Lots of content, um, lots of fun trade deadlines coming up soon. So when the Yankees inevitably do nothing, don't worry, though. We'll cover all the bases in terms of the stuff they can do. Um, we'll be doing in-game, in, um, in-game content over the weekend, hopefully, if anything crazy happens or if it's just more of the same. We'll, we'll wait to tell you more about it on Tuesday. Um, but we hope you enjoy your weekend. Three-day weekend, Juneteenth, baby, on Monday. So enjoy yourselves. Uh, hopefully the Yankees can take at least one in Boston so we're not ripping our hair out um, before they get another rest day on Monday. So come on, boys. Just don't ruin my life. Everybody else, sit back, relax. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday, all right? Boom. Aaron Boone said boring trade deadline. So great, like boring trade deadline. But we'll see you on Tuesday. Talk about it. Bye, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.